0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Operation History, a podcast where history is more than what you remember. Tonight the digital table is filled with Lauren. Hi. Tibbs.
1: Well, hello, everybody.
0: And myself, Derek. In this episode, we will be discussing the Vietnam GI Underground Press. Without further ado, we will hand the mic over to Dibs.
1: Thank you very much, Derek. So tonight's kind of an unconventional uh, episode. Typically, we've narrowed it down to dates and specific things or some concepts. So today, um, we are going to look at a concept, which is the anti-war movement. And by anti-war, I mean the Vietnam War uh, between 1916 and 1975. And within um, the anti-war movement, we're going to primarily talk about the veterans against the vietnam conflict um typically when we hear 1960s and 70s peace movement we often think of college students we think of civil rights leaders we think of pacifists um but there was a good size um of that group that are veterans who did serve over in vietnam and saw the conflict firsthand um so we're going to kind of we're going to really talk about that that lens first um that being said, I am going to say some terms like CONUS, O-CONUS, um, enlisted officer. I have family and I have friends who did serve. Um, I have family who served during this time period and I have friends who are currently in now. So I do know some of the lingo um, from kind of second and third hand. So I'll use that to kind of paint the broader picture. Um, For someone within the military during this time period to talk about against the vietnam war was very dangerous um so within the military there's the uniform code of military justice or ucmj um where active duty members can't really protest the war themselves um they can't be in uniform when they protest so speaking out against the war especially in public is very dangerous especially leads to things like loss of pay uh loss of rank and you could be dishonorably discharged um Enlisted personnel, which enlisted means you don't have a college degree. Typically, it's uh, E1 through 9. Um, top is sergeant major, um, commanding sergeant majors. Um, if you lost rank and you lost pay, typically before you hit E5, which is sergeant, you lived underneath the poverty line. So if you lost any money, even, even a month of pay, um, especially you have a family of two or three, you are... Very much hurting. Um, so there were real life consequences for speaking out openly against the military. Um, that's why you have these underground presses and you have pseudonames from people within the military themselves. Um, and one of the things that the, the GI underground press really discussed was the differences between officers enlisted in the field and out of the field, their living conditions, how, punishments weren't the same for the same crimes um and so it really goes against the narrative of that time which is joining the military is honorable everyone's treated exactly equal there is no favoritism there it it's all based on service um and before i dive into the rest of it i don't know if either Derek or lauren you guys saw that sort of um comments in your research as well
2: Yeah. Um... Definitely, I mean, I can get more into it once we kind of talk about like what's going on. Um, but yes, I found um, the army looking at why people, especially um, E1 to E4 would be like, they would do dissident acts and they said, yeah, housing, money, uh, racial inequalities as some of them, as well as the Vietnam War, which we can get more into either, which thank you for explaining what the E's meant, because I tried to figure it out on my own in my research, and I thought I got there, but you just proved me wrong, so thank you for that.
1: So E1 is private, E2 is private. Private second class e3 is private first class then you have e4 which is at that time there's three different versions of e4 there's the corporal e4 which is fat which is on track to become a non-commissioned officer um think sergeant staff sergeant on the way to master sergeant and then you have the e4 specialist and you'd be specialized in a certain job um so that's where the the ranks kind of start to differentiate a little bit. And then E5 is sergeant, E6 is staff, uh, sergeant first class, and then you have first sergeant, and then E8 and E9, which is the sergeant majors.
2: Yeah, so from what I saw, it's kind of the bottom of the ladder people that I was looking at anyway, or the who they were looking at, they being the army during this time.
0: Um, everything that I had seen... Um about this whole uh, press movement was that the lower enlisted were so, so, so excited about this because it was finally a entire paper that was dedicated to the 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 first monthers people who had just signed up or just were drafted instead of you know people that have been in the army for years upon years the officers clubs all of those already had their own types of bulletins but for the average joe that had just joined and was just dropping in vietnam and had no real clue what the army was really about and like you know the ideas everything just got out of boot camp this was directed directly at them rather than you know the people who had been in there their entire life so i think it was a really interesting thing that they chose to direct it more towards the the newbies than the the seasoned pros
1: and not only that, I mean, you have the officers who are, one, they're, they have college degrees, so for people to say this was, you know, the anti-war move was all college educated isn't exactly true, because you have officers in the, in the military who are college educated, and you have some who are against the war in the military, and some who are for it, so, you know, it kind of shows that other side of it as well. Um, also, these newspapers weren't found just in the United States, they were found wherever there was a military post, so you had um, bases in the United States Continental, uh, CONUS, like Fort Drum, Fort uh, Fort Stewart, you have um, all the other, Fort Jackson, um, you have those military installations, and then even overseas in Germany, Japan. Um, in South Korea, you have, which is typically called Olconis, which is off the Continental, um, wherever you found a military base, you had these newspapers smuggled in and smuggled because they were not authorized to be on post whatsoever. This was disinformation was seen by the United States military. This hurts our mission. This hurts what we're against. So these papers are a no go. And if you were caught with these newspapers Again, back to UCMJ, where you could be doctor pay, you could lose your rank, you could be dishonorably discharged. Which, if you're dishonorably discharged, you will lose your educational benefits. So your GI bill, you will lose. You will lose access to medical care. So, again, big risk when we talk about active active duty military. Really spreading this information out there.
2: Yeah, um, I saw. Oh, sorry. Um, one of the really great resources that I found, and it looks like just from the sources that I've seen on your notes, uh, you've seen it too. It, the Wisconsin Historical Society has the GI press collection. They have a lot of the newspapers that uh, were in Germany at the time, which I found interesting how spread it was, but just to look at how far spread it was and the fact that you can, Go to this website. I'll link in the show notes. Uh, the Wisconsin Historical Society, um, but just reading and looking at all of their different newspapers and political cartoons and stuff was really interesting.
1: I'm glad you you. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Wisconsin and the sources because one I one used Wisconsin, but also there's um, some State Department information. There's also the website Coffee or Die, which talks about the origin of the GI coffee houses especially around Vietnam time period. Um, And the press was also a way of spreading information about distance within the United States Army to people who wouldn't hear about it. Um, So one such event that I read was three GIs from Fort Hood who were um, arrested for not wanting to deploy to Vietnam. And you have papers that carry the story to Germany. So if soldiers are acting out there, it's like, all right, this isn't just us doing this. This is an army wide organization this isn't just us you know whatever command may say it's not just us it's the army going through its own ish too and there is resistance within against serving um this unsanctioned war this illegal war um it also highlights that officers weren't happy with westmoreland one thing that i read was um there was a army captain 03 um who looked at Westmoreland in Vietnam and said, you're not giving me enough supplies to treat these civilian casualties. So if you're going to continue this, I need more. Otherwise this isn't going to work. And he was court-martialed and he was dishonorably discharged for insubordination against a ranking officer because Westmoreland was the commander of all of the Vietnam theater. So this was not the, the best move for this captain. But again, you know, there was, I think we've mentioned it before popular memory. There was this memory of Vietnam and this illusion that we were winning and we were doing everything we could. And that was not the case. And the GI press really highlights that. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to butt in and mention anything else.
2: Um, I didn't find anything as specific uh, though. I was interested because I looked at, you know, a map of some of the different sects, the different newspapers and newsletters and things, and it was interesting to me because I just wanted to see the ones that were in the area. I just have, you know, curiosity since we're in New England. And it was interesting to see how many there were. Uh, there was one in 1971. There's a newsletter in, um, Providence for veterans against the the Vietnam War. And then, like, one of them was, like, the Boston Draft Resistance Group newsletter, which was super popular.
0: Oh, um, I, I had actually seen that same map. Um, and there was also a thing down in the city of Newport uh, for the sailors uh, that were stationed down there. And I'm pretty sure the title was uh, "All Sailors Abandon Ship" or something like that. Uh, you know, r- urging them to just yeah, just just abandon everything. It was it was a very interesting title. And honestly, the I had delved through a wealth of the sources in the Wisconsin Historical Society, um, and a lot of them are really really interesting because you get to the You get to the mindset of some of these people where they're almost desperate because they're being put into a war that some of them do not want to fight. So they're trying to protest in subtle ways that they are able to without being fully persecuted under the law. So uh, it'll have manuals on how to uh, resist in civil ways that you know, will not affect your pay. Uh, It has um, letters about when protest movements are happening, uh, pocket manuals on draft resistance. Like, there's tons of information here that all of these people who were so desperate to get out of this war that they were drafted into are trying to disseminate that information, not only to their fellow draftees but also back to the actual public um specifically because there was this one that i had found um discussing the above ground press service uh, which was a non-profit organization um, who was asking a bunch of the people who were talking to the underground press service uh, and giving them disseminating information to start talking with the above-ground press service because this was right after the My Lai Massacre and they wished to have ears everywhere so the army couldn't pull any kind of shenanigans like they did with the My Lai Massacre and try to cover it up. They wanted to make sure that if something happens, Within a day, it's in the mainstream press, not just the underground press, but the mainstream press. So this was the their go-to source that would move from the underground press all the way to you'd see it right on NBC, CNN in uh, the next day. You know, the New York Times would be having a page about it. And you know the the generals would be wondering how, but this is this was a thing that was disseminated throughout. Uh, all of these newspapers, in hopes of making sure that never happened again.
2: And I find it interesting how horrified the pro-war in the army people were. Um, I found a article um, from June of 1971, and they say at their best count, there was probably about Um, 144 underground newspapers at that point. Um, And that had increased 40% like since 1970. And they're like horrified by some of the things that they're saying. So a couple of quotes from some of these um, newspapers. One of them is from Fort Lewis. Uh, The lifers are the true enemy, not the enemy. Um, another one from the West Coast said, don't desert, go to Vietnam until you're a commanding officer. Yeah. So they're just like, uh, this is absolutely terrible. Um, they say there's like 14 organizations, um, quote, at least six anti-war veterans groups which strive to influence GIs, unquote. Um, and you can tell, they're just like, you're saying that you want them to be like, Mutiny and kill their commanding officer, and that the army's the enemy. And they're like, "What? We're trying so hard to be America first and say how terrible these uh, Vietnamese people are, and now these people are just turning it around, and that's not fair." What do you mean? Not everything is as it seems. <laughs> what do you mean the the military doesn't just make up lies? People don't just go on the internet and tell lies
0: that that same uh article that i was talking about about the upper under uh above ground press service uh the tagline is uh truth is the army's worst enemy so you know it's it's once the truth is out there then yeah it's hard to convince a bunch of 18 year olds to go off to war if you know you realize it's a war against people that are just you know fighting a colonial war against an oppressive french resistance and then you know then you go over there and just continue with that or you know it's a lot harder to convince a bunch of 18 year olds that yeah communism is the evil one guys yeah. we're not continuing colonialism don't worry we're just stopping communism in its tracks
2: right it's it's just the language that so for listeners, I said this to the guys earlier, I kind of looked at the responses through the military's eyes. So this is the collapse of the armed forces from the armed forces journal in 1971. So this is the same thing I was quoting earlier. Um, and he describes the um, the army going into Vietnam as, quote, in its day, and in the observation of the writer, the best army the United States ever put in the field. Going on to current day, describing the army as numbly extricating itself from a nightmare war, the armed forces feel they have hoisted on them by bright civilians who are now back on campus writing books about the folly of it all. And it's so, I mean, I just kind of hate that, dirt, like, those dang college kids are getting thoughts and ideas into the mind of our army and how they're upset instead of you know the conditions of what's happening where they're living and also just the war in general
1: i heard a story once and again i i was never able to ask my grandfather about the story but Uh, there is a story that he had done. He did one tour in South Korea and one in Vietnam and he was approached and he was told, you're going to do this. Otherwise I'm going to send you back to Vietnam. So even within the military, there was a, if you don't do this, you know, it was kind of like a leverage part for some uh, companies and some other units. Again, I never had the chance to ask him or verify it, but i I've heard that story repeated a couple of times from other family members as well. Um, he ended up did not going for a second term. They ended up just having him go to South Korea for about a year and a half instead. So, um, anyways, um, the um the newspapers themselves were also out of AGI coffee houses, which is where veterans would go to advocate against the war, have free conversation. It was also a place for active duty soldiers to go and also have conversations. Again, it's a coffee house, so primary business was serving coffee with a side of, you know, this war is awful and let's organize on how to get out of it. Um because of that it was a main target of military police, state police, federal police, um and the media also tried to discredit these coffee houses too as being radical and a minority dissident from within the military that sold heroin and other substances that could weaken the resolve of the united states military and the community around it so let's bust these up and there was memos about busting these up they would end up on blacklists and all the other things um the gi coffee houses would lose popularity until other US conflicts take place. So typically US coffee houses, uh US coffee houses, I wish, uh GI coffee houses, um, and the GI underground press would lose popularity after 1975 when the US finally pulls out of Vietnam. Um however, you know, there's still a very active voice of announcing concerns within the regular US military community, even today on through Facebook pages, different Discords and all of that. So The unity part has still, you know, talking about issues within the military about policies and all that still happens to this day. And again, the same anonymous monikers that was employed during the 1960s and 70s as well.
2: Yeah, and they definitely saw, you know, those protest meetings and the coffee houses as, you know, disrespect going against the military, anti-war, all that stuff. Um, And I found... It was basically almost like a army, like, I don't know how many people this like, it was almost like a survey, how many people are going against the US military basically. And apparently from the answers, about half of those, you know, anti-war acts people admitted to it being taking place in coffee houses. And about 58% of the answers For E1s E4s said that Vietnam was the reason why they're doing the things that they're doing to go against the war. Of course, this article is shocked; they don't understand why. Uh, But then they also say as something that will help uh, decrease these activities. Quote: "The decline in the Vietnam War may be matched by a decline in political motivated dissent activities by fifty-eight percent." Which is ironic because 58% of E1 to E4 men said the Vietnam War was why they were doing this in the first place. They don't seem to make that connection in the article, though. Because why would they? But Yeah, coffee houses were definitely, you know, they own up to it. They say, yeah, we go here and do this because we're unhappy.
0: I think another major reason... That um, the top brass really disliked um, all of this um, because if it was a small thing that was being passed around by some men, they they might have blew it off. But it was also gaining a lot of support, uh, not only through the ranks of men, but even people in the states themselves, um, particularly uh, in leftist. Uh, movements um, there was a lot of leftist movements that were really uh, supportive of this you know resistance movement or at least the the act of discussing things outside of the norm um, of what a normal soldier should do where they just you know go right on and you know fight the good fight without questioning anything rather than you know doing some introspection and saying why are we here why are we doing this i I think it was a part a portion of you know they were now associated with these leftist movements which the united states already hated to begin with but had to tolerate because we had you know freedom of speech and freedom of all of these wonderful freedoms we enjoy in this country, uh, but that meant that there were leftist organizations which the United States wanted to crush at that point. But now those leftist organizations are supporting these troops that are eh, tiptoeing on rebelling from, you know, the military because they don't want to be there,
1: and they also don't want to participate in one an illegal war because let's remember Vietnam was not passed by congress which is the only way that a war is legal in the in the the united states law um but also these soldiers were protesting the death of fifty eight thousand two hundred twenty u.s soldiers who were killed because of vietnam and they thought by having these protests that maybe if we can save soldiers lives by protesting and showing the ugly side of the war we can keep people safe that way and we shouldn't be over in Vietnam telling them how to run their business, how to run their country, run their government. We wouldn't want anyone doing that here. We have to respect that as well. So so the soldiers who print the underground press, there aren't again, they are not against their fellow soldiers. They're not against the institution of the military itself. What they're against is the needless violence and the needless death of U.S. soldiers for something that is seen, one, not legally just into um, the United States could have largely avoided. Um, and before I get off and, you know, open it up to everyone, um, this episode's not meant to bash Vietnam veterans or anything like that. This is meant to highlight that there's another side to the story. And that other side of the story is there were soldiers who were not happy with this war. And that the military was not unified over the, condu- the way that the military conducted its business in Vietnam, the way that corporations had gone, had embedded itself within the United States military to produce things like Agent Orange, which to this day has impacted thousands of U.S. soldiers' lives and still continuously plagues the country of Vietnam, Laos and Cambodia. Um, so, this episode is not meant to bash the soldiers, those who have lost their lives, those who are injured, but to highlight that these soldiers who did rebel did so under one gravest conditions. And two, they're trying to get the word out that not everything, and not the way the military is presented by the media, is factually.
2: In 1970, the Army had 65,643 deserters, which is the equivalent of four infantry divisions. And that the desertion rate at that point was 52.3 soldiers per thousand, more than quadrupled from 1966, which was at 14.7 per thousand.
0: Well, it shows how unpopular the war became within the later years that... Sure, at the start, people were still somewhat gung-ho on, you know, going to get the commies and, you know, destroy anything, you know, better dead than red. Uh, that was the whole, you know, mindset that, well, we, you know, kind of did okay in Korea. You know, we put it at halfway and, you know, there's still the, the communist Korea, but hey, hey we got the, the democratic Korea already all set. This is just the next stepping stone. We lose this one. We already got China. We lose this one. It's out. By, by the midwave point of the war, people did not care. People did not care what was happening on the Asian continent. At that point, they just wanted to be done with this war. That you would have entire neighborhoods that, you know, the young people of that neighborhood are killed in this war. So they would have entire areas that would have like pretty much funeral processions of multiple people. Because if you had multiple people serving in the same unit from the same town, you would, it was a frequent thing that you would just have your funeral garb ready because, well, the, the boys are off in Vietnam and it's only a matter of time until they come back in a casket. It's, it was so, so, so unpopular by the end of the war that it made even the soldiers themselves fighting just so demoralized that they could not even want to fight. Never mind, you know, the Vietnamese, um, both uh, the actual army of North Vietnam and um, the guerrilla fighters um, were actually having a movement behind what they were doing it wasn't just fighting for fighting sakes because uncle sam told you to they wanted a free vietnam so they would do anything at that point to get that free vietnam so when they had the morale the you know war participation it was it was already over before it started
1: Well, not only that, I mean, it was also, as you're saying, whole neighborhoods, caskets. um, The song, I'm Fixing to Die, popped in my head because lyrics, uh, be the first one on your block to have a boy come home in a box. Um, Knowing all this, you know, the other side, you know, how neighborhoods were devastated, you know, brings these folk songs from being this abstract thing to, all right. Now it's in your face once again. Um, So um, the GI press, whenever we're talking about Vietnam, we have to remember the press and we have to remember that not everything within the military is as uh, uniform as it could be. Thank you all so very much for tuning into this episode. I know it's been a little bit and we are all appreciative that you guys joined us for this adventure into The Vietnam GI Underground Press, Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners and the support that we've received. Please rate, download, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods. It's a small and simple thing that you can do to help out the show in a big way. If you like to interact with us, there are several different ways that you can do so. Um, You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Operation Hist. Uh, You can also shoot us an uh, email at operationhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can view the website at our operation Pot, operation history podcast, period, wordpress, period.com. All of our sources and show notes for this episode will be uploaded when we get the episode up and going. So last time, thank you all very much for joining us. And this is Operation History signing off. Do <laughs> do